worship you this morning, God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. You're glorious. You're worthy to be praised, God. We lift you up, Lord. Come on, just raise up your hands right now and lift up your voice this morning. And just say, Jesus, I'm here to worship you. You're awesome, Lord. You're glorious. You're mighty. And God, we give you praise this morning. You alone reign. You alone reign, Jesus. We give you our praise, God. We love you. Say your face outshines. Your face outshines the brightest sun. Say, Jesus. Jesus, you're glorious. You are so glorious. With eyes, eyes that blaze like burning fire. Jesus, Jesus, you're glorious. You are, you are so glorious. King of glory, King of glory, have your a shout of praise this morning he's glorious he's worthy to be lifted up hallelujah jesus we praise you your voice like a rushing water sounds you're powerful jesus you're powerful you are so powerful within your hands within your hands you hold the stars jesus you're powerful you are so powerful, King of glory, have your glory, 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 Jesus. up in the words we say right now God be lifted up in the worship God that we offer to you God it's a sacrifice of praise God come on sacrifice this morning sacrifice right now sacrifice your praise Jesus you're glorious Jesus you're worthy God of my praise worthy of my praise Jesus a couple more seconds keep worshiping the Lord this morning Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to you, Jesus. Your face now shines the brightest sun. Come on, say Jesus. Jesus, you are so glorious. With eyes that blaze, with eyes that blaze, like burning fire. Jesus, you're glorious. You are so glorious. Come on, sing King of Glory.
Just one more time, lift up in my, say King of Glory. Just lift up those hands and say King of Glory. Have your glory. Won't you have your glory, King of Glory? Have your This morning, church, hallelujah. God, we worship you in this place, God. Lord God, all of the thoughts, God, we submit it to Jesus right now. Every thought, God, that comes up against who you are, that comes up against what you want to do right now in this place, we submit it to Jesus right now. Come on, just shake off, throw off every thought right now that is holding you back from worshiping him. Right now, God, we, we command every thought to be submitted to Jesus. Right now. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, you reign today. You reign exalted and high above everything in this world, God. Everything in our lives, God. You reign high and lifted up. High and above every obstacle. Everything, oh God, that wants to bring us down, Jesus. You reign, God. There's some of you in this room that are really fighting. You're really fighting the fight of faith. And you're, you're, you're struggling, you're fighting so hard, and you feel weary from the battle. Right now is your time to welcome the Holy Spirit and to give you strength right now. Who needs strength in this room, warriors? Come on, who's fighting the fight of faith, man? You're fighting with all you got. Right now, I want you to lift up those hands. If you're a weary warrior right now, raise up those hands and let's just download the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Download the strength, the peace the comfort, the promises of God right now. You reign in this place, God. There's nothing that's too hard for you. God, your word says that all things work out together for those that love you. And if we're having a hard time, if we're just fighting, I pray that you would encourage us this morning that you are raised up above every circumstance, God, in our lives. So let's just start speaking in tongues. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that God is here with us. Let's start lifting up our voices right now, church. Start speaking in that heavenly language right now. We're going to build our faith just like the book of Jude says. Build your most holy faith. Let's build ourselves up right now. We're not ashamed of who you are, God. We need you. We need you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Jesus. A couple more moments. Let's keep pressing forward right now. This is what it's about. Not the next song. It's about right now, you and Jesus. Jesus, 
keep lifting up that voice right now. Don't get tired this morning. Press forward. Keep speaking in that tongue right now. Strength in the name of Jesus. Hope in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. God, all we need we find in your presence, God. Man, I believe that there are warriors all over this place and you are fighting right now. Just receive, receive what you need from Jesus right now. Jesus, I know you're speaking to hearts, God. I know you're strengthening. Hallelujah, Jesus. Your countenance, and I will be satisfied 
to save all who call on your name. You're mighty to save all who call on your name. You're mighty to save all who call on your name. On the name of Jesus. I'll just say that. You're mighty to save all who call on your name. You're mighty to save all call on your name. You're mighty to save all call on your name on the name of Jesus. We call on the name of Jesus. Oh, the sweet name, the strong name of Jesus. Jesus feels welcome. It's not about your song right now. It's not about the next song. It's not about anything but Him right now. Let's just pour forth our offering to Him. Just like that woman that broke forth that, that vessel of that perfume before the feet of Jesus. Let's just pour forth our praise before Jesus. A song of love to Him. Jesus. Father God, to show us who you are. And God, right now we give you time to speak to us. God, give us ears to hear what you're saying, God. Move upon every heart right now. If you feel that you have a word that God wants to speak to, to us right now, I want you to lift up your voice and speak out that word right now.
that right now, God. We receive those words, Lord, that you are with us, God. We don't have to figure it all out, God, that you are real and you are here, God. We receive that right now. If you believe that Jesus is here, just put your hand on your heart right now and say, God, you're here. You're close, Is there one more word? Ghost fire right now. Holy Ghost fire. If you believe in the Holy Ghost fire right now, I want you to come up to this altar. Come up to this altar right now if you believe in that Holy Ghost fire and you want that fire to be fanned into flames. Maybe it's a little, little flame right now, but we're believing right now that that fire of love that the fire of the presence of God that goes with his presence would burn us up right now. Raise those hands up right now. Come on, we're going to go old school. A lot of you guys were there when we were in the little storefront and all we wanted was Jesus. And we didn't matter how loud we got. didn't matter how crazy we got. God, we come back to that fire, Jesus. We come back to that passion for you, Lord. Come on, start lifting up those hands right now and start speaking in tongues right now. Lift up that voice. Lift up that voice. We break every lie of the enemy. We 
rebuke every work of the enemy in this place over your people. We, we command the fire of God. We declare the fire of God is here. Touch every heart. We receive it right now. Fire like a wave, like a rushing fire right now, like a wildfire all over this room. Holy Ghost, change us. Burn us up from the inside out. We repent for every sin. We repent for every doubt. All sin right now we burn up by the blood of Jesus. We command it to leave every addiction right now. Every complacency, God. We've been playing games with you, Jesus. We want you to bust us open and change us, oh God. Burn up the infirmity. Burn up the roots, oh God, that keep us from you. We command every root of the enemy to be burned up right now in the name of Jesus.
that you're here this morning. God, I thank you, God, for a worship leader like Rachel who will not let us just be in the ordinary, God, but we have to go into the extraordinary. Thank you, Lord, for her ministry, God, that we just don't want to be in the natural, God. We want to be in the supernatural. And yes, the world thinks we're weird at times. They think we're crazy. But even in the book of Acts chapter 2, they thought they were crazy when the Holy Spirit came. They thought they were drunk. But God, they were just full on your glory. They were speaking in unknown languages. Some of it was understood by others. Others' languages was only understood by you. And God, we just welcome that Pentecostal experience this morning. Oh, God, we're not satisfied with religion. We want you. Just want you for the next few moments just to focus on Jesus. Come on, just worship Jesus in your heart today. If this is new to you, if you're new here or you haven't experienced, you just need to see your Bible in a new light again. This is what they did. There were miracles. There were tongues and interpretation. There were prophecies foretelling. There were exorcisms, demons being cast out. 
And the presence of God was so strong there. If you can get over the uh, the roadblock of this is new and different, you will experience it. It's not a it's not a manipulation of your emotions. You will be totally present. But if you are new to this, if you'll just say, God, if this is you, I am open, then God will speak to you. Let's just sing a worship song together here in the presence of the Lord. Let's get in love with Jesus deeper than we've ever been before. Thank you, Lord. No place I'd rather be. This is where we want to be, God. No place I'd rather be. Here in your love, here in your love. No place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. Here in your love, here in your love. Won't you set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control? I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Hallelujah, we want more of you. We love you, Jesus. Just one more time. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. Amen. If you love the Lord, can you just raise your hands right now and just tell Him how much you love Him? Just raise your hands and with the fruit of your lips, just tell Him how much you love Him. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We love you today, God. Love you. Come on, man. Lift up your voices. Come on, worship leaders. Lift up your voices. Come on, congregation. Lift up your voices. This is the great romance. Us in the Lord. Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Come on, 30 more seconds. Just tell the Lord that you love Him. We love you, Jesus. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Five more seconds. If all you can say is, I love you, Jesus. Then just tell him I love you, Lord. Yes, we love you, God. We love you. Now can you give the Lord a great big shout of praise, a hand clap? 
of glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you slap your neighbor high five and say, I love Jesus? Come on, as you make your way back to your seat, maybe you need some Kleenexes. Come on. How many feel Jesus in this place? Amen. I'm just going to ask that Rachel would stay up here as the rest of the band would go back to their seats. Welcome to Metro Praise. We love you, and we're so glad that you're here this morning. I want you to open up your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. You're going to be getting some announcements. They're always in the back if you want to get them at the beginning of service. Today's message is a boy named David. I want to talk to you out of 1 Samuel 16, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. What you're seeing right here in 1 Samuel chapter 16 is that the king Saul that Samuel had anointed previously has been rejected by God. Can everybody say rejected? Come on, say it like you're up this morning. Can you say rejected? Thank you. King Saul was rejected because he did not obey God. He did not do the things that God had commanded him to do. So the very first king of Israel was rejected because of disobedience. Now, if you think God is going to reject a king because of disobedience, how much more do you think he'll reject you if you're disobedient? My friend, God does not care what job you have, what education you have, how many years you've been going to church. If you live a life of disobedience to God, be warned, the Lord will reject you. On judgment day, you will say to him, have I not done all of these wonderful works? Have I not did these things in your name? And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. The life of Saul, which we don't have time to get into, serves as an example to every person here who may be struggling with disobedience towards God. The backslider will have a place in the lake of fire. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 3 that if a righteous man turns from their righteous deeds and does evil and in their evil they die, they will be held accountable for their evil and their righteous deeds will not be remembered. I want you to hear me today. That means, friends, if today I turn my back on God, if I began to live a life of disobedience to the Lord, the Lord would reject me, and I could stand before his throne on judgment day, and I could say, Jesus, did I not cast out devils? Did I not preach for 15 years in countries around the world in crusades? Did I not bring in 30 homeless people into my house? Did I not read and study the Bible tens of thousands of hours but yet he would say depart from me joe i've rejected you see it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living god hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 tells us not to do that so do not go the way of saul the first part of chapter 16 is teaching us that saul was rejected but i want you to get today's title in your spirit but there was a boy named david 
Saul was rejected because of his disobedience, but God still had his eyes upon a boy named David. Let's keep going. Verse 2, Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. So God says to Samuel the prophet, take an animal with you. You're going to sacrifice it unto me. Take a horn full of oil and go get Jesse and his sons, plural. Jesse had more than just one son. He said, go get all of Jesse's sons and get ready to make a sacrifice and have out that horn of oil because the one that I point out to you, you're going to anoint him, the one that's indicated. Samuel, verse 4, did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Saul, uh, Samuel said in verse 5, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. Think about this. Here he is now. Uh, Jesse has come, the father. He has brought his sons. And here comes the oldest, Elab. And, and, God, and, and, and Samuel looks at Elab and he says, Man, this has got to be the one. This is the oldest. He looks the strongest. He looks the best. And I want you to hear me today, my friends, that so often we feel like Samuel, that we look at the outward appearance of what God is looking for, and we don't understand that God is not looking at the outside. God is looking at the inside. And if you hear this message today from me, the preacher, you might get encouraged today because you might be looking at yourself on the outside saying, I don't look like I can do what God has planned for me. I don't look like I can be the mother, the father, the business person. I don't look like I can be the leader. I don't look on the outside. I don't feel qualified to do what God is asking me to do. But God's not looking at your qualifications. God's not looking at your natural ability. God is not looking at the outside. God is looking at the inside. Here we see that Samuel looked at the first and the oldest, and he said, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Get that in your spirit this morning. Come on, I'm going to talk to you about a boy named David. And here is the crux of the message. Here is the central point is that God is not looking on the outside. God is not judging you based on your paycheck, your economic status, your education, though those things are fine. God today is looking at your heart because he has a plan for you. 
He has a purpose for your life. And at times you may feel overwhelmed with what's standing before you. And you may say in the natural, I don't have the ability. But God is not looking to your strength today. He's knowing what his strength is and he's looking at your heart if you obey him and trust him. Verse 8, then Jesse called Abinadab, the second oldest, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. But he's tending the sheep. That boy named David. I have just one more. But I didn't think you wanted to see him. You see, when, when Samuel came to Jesse, he said, Jesse, bring out all your sons. One of them is going to be a king. But even Jesse, the father of David, the one that's supposed to believe in David when nobody else does, doesn't even believe in his own son is qualified to be at this gathering. And sometimes the people that you feel are supposed to love you the most, believe in you the most, have your back to the end. Sometimes those people don't even see what God can see. Jesse didn't even invite David because he looked at the outside too. You see, this problem at looking at the outside, it wasn't just a problem with Samuel the prophet. It was also with David's father who didn't even invite him to this opportunity. And yet Samuel, who has now learned his lesson, he says, you better bring me the boy named David. Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy, which means he had like red, reddish hair with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. Well, hold up, God. You mean the shepherd? You mean the youngest one? You mean the 11-year-old, this one? They say he was probably between 11 and 15 years old at this time. I mean, no wonder Jesse didn't even think about him. He was just taking care of the sheep, which was the lowliest job on the totem pole for this agricultural society. As a matter of fact, if you had girls, the women could be shepherds as well. That's how low on the totem pole it is. And God says, that's the one right there. This boy named David. This one. This one. And you see, God today is picking you the same way. God is picking you and I the same way. When Jesus went down the shores of Galilee, choosing out his disciples, he didn't say, take me to the palace. I pick Caesar. I pick Pilate. Take me to the generals. I pick this general. No, he went down by the seaside of Galilee. And he said, Peter. You fishermen, come 
I'll make you a fisher of men. Jesus has a reputation of taking the ones that other people have looked past and making them great. And you're here today like me, and you're here today in the natural, but I want to share with you something. God has plans for you that you yourself can't even see. You can't even see some of the plans that God has to prosper you, to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. Some of you, all you see when you look in the mirror is just someone unqualified. You look in the mirror and you, and you take out the stamp and you say reject it every morning. And you reject yourself because of low self-esteem. And you don't believe what God told you. And you come to the Lord in services like this and you say, God, help me to believe. Help me to believe. But I want you to know today that when you doubt God's promises for your life, that is no different than God doubting God himself. When you begin to come to this church and you say, I don't, I don't know if I can be the husband or wife God wants me to be. I don't know if I can raise my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I don't know if I can be the youth pastor or this business person or go through this economic trial. When you begin to doubt yourself and what God has said, it's no different than doubting God. Here comes David. And the Lord says, rise and anoint him. He is the one, 11-year-old boy. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Everybody say power. Thank you. Came upon David in power. And then Samuel went back to Ramah. Now look at verse 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. So this king now begins to be tormented by an evil spirit. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. Do you know that in the presence of the Lord, evil spirits flee? Do you know that in the presence of the Lord, you will find peace in your troubled times? This is a biblical principle that when you worship God, if there is affliction on the inside of you, worship will bring the manifest presence of God. And here's Saul. He's in trouble. He's backslidden. He's being afflicted by an evil spirit. And one of the attendants say, go get David. He's anointed. And when he worships, bondages, chains, will be broken your whole bible that book of the bible called psalms is filled 150 songs and most of them from david he was a worshiper so they go get david and they, they well they say go the servant answers i have seen son of jesse of bethlehem who knows how to play he is a brave man and a warrior he speaks well and is a fine-looking man. How many know that looking good and being anointed go hand in hand? Come on. God will make you look good in that anointing. 
But look at the most important thing beyond what, beyond he being brave, beyond that he is a warrior, beyond that he speaks well, beyond that he is fine looking. What is the mark of distinguishment upon this boy, David? The Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. Did you ever read this in the Bible where Jesus spoke unto his disciples, I am with you even unto the ends of the age. Do you remember in Hebrews where he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, today we can have some Davids in this place. Some people that God has chosen, they may not look like they have it together on the outside. They may doubt themselves on the inside. Even the people closest to them may not see it. Even the man of God may not see it. But I'll tell you what, the Lord sees it and the Lord will walk with you. If you have that heart of David, the Lord will be with you. You may be living in a house where no one else serves Jesus. They may not want anything to do with God. But if you are in that house, the Lord is with you. You may be working on a job where they don't want you to talk about the Lord. But they can't stop you from thinking, baby. Come on. And you can think about Jesus and give glory to him. And ask him for wisdom in times of difficulty. And the Lord will be with you. The schools may try to tell you, young people, you can't bring your Bible and pray but they can't stop you from loving Jesus on the inside and when you walk through those hallways the Lord is with you you might now understand Psalms 23 a little bit better because David said the Lord is my shepherd like I'm a shepherd he's my shepherd I shall not want he leads me beside quiet waters that restore my soul you see, David understood what it was like to take care of sheep and to be responsible for them and to care for them and to nurture them. And that's what he said the Lord does for him. He's walking into a place with a demon-possessed king as a young boy playing the harp. But the Lord is with him. Verse 19. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David. How about this? Send me your boy, David. Send me that boy. I need him. Isn't it something that now we, we see the scale uh, flipping to the other side? Uh, things now which were upside down are coming right side up. This man who has a kingdom, this man Saul who has power, he's older, he has wealth. He is now coming to this young boy saying, I need this young boy. I want you to listen to me. This world may not acknowledge it right away. They may not just come begging right now. But listen, you can keep walking with the Lord. You keep loving Jesus. People that used to make fun of you are going to pull on your coat jacket and say, man, I need you. Will you pray with me? Will you help me? Your boss may come to your house and say, my life's falling apart, but I watched you go through something and I saw how you came out shouting with victory. Would you pray with me? They came to David, and, they, and King Saul said, I need your boy, David, who's with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his 
son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and entered into his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. He carried the armor of Saul. He served him as a young boy. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. I'm believing that God is going to raise up America again to appreciate its Christian roots. That people are going to begin to say, Christians, we need you here. We need you to take care of the hurting on our streets and in the gangs. We've tried police. We've tried postmodernism. We've tried naturalism. We've tried all of these different techniques. Would you please come and stay in our schools? Would you come and stay in our governments? Would you pray before Congress again with a convicting prayer? Would you pray before our nation? I believe a time is coming even here in this nation and among your friends and family where they're going to say, would you just stay with me? Verse 23, whenever the spirit from God came upon Saul to afflict him, David would take his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. You see, God has a call upon David's to bring peace and wholeness to a broken, demon-possessed, afflicted world. I was out evangelizing Wicker Park, and I was talking to about five gentlemen that were homosexual. And most of my experience, whether it's on Bourbon Street or on Belmont and Clark, that when the homosexual knows that I'm a Christian and he outnumbers us as we're witnessing, they normally like to mount up a frontal attack against our beliefs and kind of assault us there. And I willingly put myself in that position just so they know that we love them. And if that's the worst of my suffering is being called a hate monger, you're just a hate monger, then I can take it. Amen? If Jesus was crucified, I can take that. But this time was different. He just hung his head down and he said, I admit what I do is wrong. I, I know it's not right. And he called over one of his friends. And his friend said, you know, I've, I've been born and raised in church. And my partner and I, we both know better than this. And we're not even going to try to tell you, preacher. We're not even going to try to tell you any of our excuses. We're not going to try to push a gay movement on you. We know that it's not true. Would you help us and pray for us? My friends, I believe there's a time coming when people are going to begin to take off the mask and put down the arguments and begin to realize that it's only God's way that brings peace. Their arguments, their defensiveness, all of that has only destroyed them on the inside. Their excuses to keep drinking, keep partying, keep living in greed. This economy has helped crush a lot of that prideful spirit that we had in our things. And I believe people are just getting sick and tired of it. But they're looking to see if there's a David around. Somebody that knows who God said they are. Somebody that's not afraid to stand before a king and worship Jesus. My friends, I want to ask for a church today of David's. 
people that will have the heart of David, that will be leaders to their families, leaders to their community, leaders to this culture and to the countries around the world, that we won't in pride pick it and say, we're the best, we're better than you, but in humility we'll say, we know a God that can bring peace to your troubled soul. If you'll come and worship with us, that affliction that you feel up here at an altar like this will flee from you, and you'll know that as God has been with me god will be with you we need world changers we need brave men and women of god who know who they are first samuel chapter 17 moving on to one of the most famous passages of the bible david and goliath looking at verse one now the philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokah in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes, Demian, between Sokah and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. Does everybody understand this story? Philistines were an enemy to the people of Israel. They get on a hill, the Philistines, and they start shouting at the Israelites. The Israelites are on another hill, and they're shouting back. And there's a valley in between them. They're about ready to go to war. If you've seen Gladiator, if you've seen the 300, it is going to be bloody. People are going to lose limbs. People are going to die brutal deaths. Tens of thousands are going to be strung out on the battlefield. Birds will eat their flesh before they can be buried because that's going to be how much carnage will be left on these fields when they are done. Hundreds of thousands are facing off against each other. And verse 4, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had on a bronze helmet over his head, wore a coat of skill armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels, and on his leg he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like that of a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. They have found in archaeological digs femur bones and, and these bones of the leg that stand as high as a man's shoulder. We believe through artifact evidence and, of course, through the Bible that men lived at this time nine feet tall. The ceiling here is about eight and a half feet tall. Think another six inches. And he's in full body armor. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come up and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Do you see what Goliath was offering them? was a kind of ultimate fight, a UFC battle to death, and this would spare the hundreds of thousands of people. Now, of course, Goliath, he doesn't care about sparing Israelites. He's doing this just to save his people some time because he's so confident and cocky and self-assured 
that surely there can be nobody in Israel that can take him down. So he comes out with his, his brazen pride and ridicule towards the people of God. Verse 10, he said, Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man. Somebody say a man. A man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So they're scared. They're going, we, we've never heard of it this way before. We, we, we don't have somebody that can take on Goliath. Our chances might be better just to get involved into a battle where there will be mass carnage. We would rather do that than to be just totally humiliated by this man and then all of us become his servants. Verse 12, but there's a boy named David in the story. He's not a man. He's not a man yet. He's, he, if he was a man, he would have already been there with his brothers because they would have took him into battle as well. So there's not a man coming to the rescue, but God has a boy, the son of an Ephraite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judea. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The first was the firstborn was Elab, the second one Abinadab, and then the third Shema. In verse fourteen, David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tending his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Look how long this went on. Verse sixteen: For forty days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So forty times two times a day, eighty times the people of God heard this man ridicule them, mock them, say that they are dogs, they they are ninnies, they cannot fight, and then now Jesse said to his son David, to his boy David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel. Everybody say, all the men. Thank you, and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Were they really fighting at that time, my friends? Was there a whole lot of fighting going on? No. Eighty times they were called out, and eighty times they were shamed, ridiculed, and defiled. And early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd loaded up and sent out set out as Jesse had directed him. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. So he gets around them, and he's here. <laughs> he's hearing the war cries. You can see this young boy, David. He's excited. They're going to fight. They're going to go to war. He's hearing the clanging of the shields with the swords and the spears. He can hear the mass army of Israel shouting. Verse 21, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle line and greeted his brothers. And as he was talking with them, what did he see? A mighty war? 
mighty men victorious? No, he sees Goliath. The Philistine champion come from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the men, they all ran from him in great fear. So David comes. He hears all the shouting. He hears the clinging of the shields and the, the swords. He steps out. He's like, guys, what's going on? Then comes Goliath, and they all run away scared. Doesn't that look like most of the churches today? Big choirs just making noise, but running away scared from the inner cities. Big televangelists just making noise, banging their shields, but not giving to the poor. Doesn't it sound like most of the people you know who go to church on Christmas and Easter, the Christers, and they'll say, God bless you after your sneeze, and maybe they'll give you a little tidbit of advice mixed with their superstitious beliefs and call it their personal religion, and all they are is just clanging their shields. But when the devil comes out and attacks our children with drugs and sexual perversion, the church runs away, and when they this culture stands up in universities and says there's no God. God is dead. They run away. Is that not like what we're seeing today? A church just tucking its tail between its leg and running away. Churches now today are more known for their entertainment and the feeling of just being around it than they are for the power. I talk to people, oh, I just go to the church. It's such a beautiful place. It makes me feel good when I go. You know, I was at a wedding yesterday, all Italian wedding. You know, a lot of people of different religions there going, you know, to Roman Catholic Lutheran churches. You know, and I asked them, do you go to church? Well, you know, just on special events and they get this euphoric feeling when they walk into that cathedral, like as if they're walking into a museum. But when the troubles of life come their way, they run and hide. See, religion won't help you, my friends. Just standing up against the devil saying, I'm in King Saul's army, means absolutely nothing. Just showing up with a sword in your hand and a shield, but not being trained or having braveness to go fight, means absolutely nothing. My friends, we could give children swords and shields and send them out to battle, but they would be massacred. You see, these Israelite men, they had lost their trust in God. Because all they could see was the outside. He's, he's nine foot tall. His, his spear is equally as high. And his sword, 20, 30, 40 pounds, six feet in length. And then he shouts at us. And we get scared. These men for 80 times got so used to being yelled at and doing nothing about it that for that amount of time, that became their normal life. We just stand out here. We make some noise. We get shouted at, and then we run back. 
There are some people here today that they just believe that abortion belongs in our society because that's the way it's always been. We shouted a little bit, but once the court comes down with the ruling, we just run away scared and say, well, that's just, that's just the way it's going to be. And some of us are afraid of our inner cities to go into the places like the South Side Ohio Park. We'll maybe go there once a year, sing a couple songs, maybe just say a prayer. But we're so afraid to talk to the actual people on the streets because we just feel that's, that's just the way it's always going to be. And then we hear about Afghanistan and Pakistan and Iran, these lands that all used to be Christian, now dominated by Islamic crusades. We just think to ourselves, well, well, you know, don't don't send our missionaries there. That's just the way it's going to be. That's just that's just the way it's going to be. Let's raise up our children with the dreams of being doctors and lawyers. Don't put in their mind the dream of being a missionary because China is just going to persecute them. North Korea is just going to persecute them. Let's not change anything because if we do, we're in danger of what we see conquering us. So let's just make a little noise. And then when it really comes down to it, let's run back afraid. You look at verse 25. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He defies, he comes out and defies Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. How many would like that blessing? David asked the men, everybody say the men. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies? Of the living God. Why? Well, I, I thought there was just one army, the army of Israel. The armies of the living God are a host of angels in heaven as well as men upon this earth. And this man standing in this valley, not only does he ridicule the men standing here that are the singular army of God, but he also mocks the armies of God in heaven where angels worship around his throne. With one breath of his nostril, the Bible says he casts out Satan like lightning from his presence. And here this man defies all of these armies. Verse 27, they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Elab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why do you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are. And how wicked your heart is. You've come down to only watch the battle. The man of God, Samuel, didn't recognize who David was. His own father did not recognize who David was. 
And then now you see his brothers not only don't recognize who he is, but they call him the wicked one. You're the wicked one, David. You're the wicked one. You're the one here causing the trouble. All you want to do is just start a fight. Christians, you're the non-tolerant ones. You're the ones that just don't want to get along. It's you fundamentalists who make this country the way it is. If we all just looked aside our own religious beliefs and got along, we would be so much better. If you just allowed them to marry, you would be so much more happier. What have they done to you? Christians, you're so wicked in your heart. You go to those high schools. You manipulate those troubled children in your church. You go to those countries and bribe them with your charity. Christian, you're the wicked one. You're just here to cause trouble. Shh. Don't you talk about Jesus on the job. Shh. You're just going to cause trouble. We'll talk about everything else here. We'll talk about the job. We'll talk about the economy. We'll talk about all of our different favorite sports teams. Guys will get behind uh, the, the water cooler and talk about nasty jokes. and just, But don't you talk about Jesus, you wicked one. You're, you're the troublemaker. You're the troublemaker. Don't you come on TV. On Larry King Live and tell us we're going to hell. Tell, tell us about how God loves us all. Shh. You're the problem. It's people like you. It's people like you. You see, my friends, when the world doesn't know who God is, they don't know who the people of God are. They don't know God from the man on the moon. They make up idols and call them God. They make Oprah Winfrey their God. They make their job their God. They make their college professor of comparative religious studies their God. They make, uh, you know, Spock their God, their TV a movie star, and they want to listen to them. And the reason why they think we're wicked, we're the troublemakers, is because we stand before a holy and a living God who created the heavens and the earth earth and when he speaks he doesn't give suggestions he gives commands and they're to be obeyed and if they don't want his commands surely they don't want the messenger either kill the messenger to get rid of the message you're the wicked one how many times have i been told that? how many times have you been told that you're the wicked one. You're the troublemaker. You're the judgmental one. You're the wrong one. Just let everybody get along, why don't you? Verse 29. Now what I have done. Now what have I done? David said, can't I even speak? What everybody gets to have their opinion on Oprah except the Christian? Everybody gets to say what they want on Larry King but the Christian? Everybody gets to do what they want. Nobody talks about all the senators that on their breaks they go to bars and drink and all the, the strip clubs that are employed in Washington, D.C. and all of the governor's party. But let one governor of Texas go to a prayer meeting and he becomes the debacle, the nincompoop of the media. My friends, what? We can't talk either. 
Let somebody say something ridiculous one after another after another as they receive awards and Emmys. But let one say, I thank God, and let them become the mocking, uh, the mocking, the laughing stock of the people. David said, now what have I done? I can't even talk. You want to take that from me now too? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. When David, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. I'm looking for some Davids in this church this morning that will look at North Korea and say, don't lose heart. I'll go and be a missionary. That somebody will, will look at the west side and say, don't lose heart. I'll go raise the children that people have rejected. I'm looking at some parents in here that will say to their children, even though one of their, uh, their, 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 uh, their parents have left, say, don't lose heart. I'll be a mom and a dad to you if I have to. Don't lose heart. I will serve God in this place. And I know if God is with me, great. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm looking at some people that believe who they are, that will tell the people of this world, I know you're afraid. I know you're scared, but don't lose heart because an anointed person is here. And an anointed person means God is with you in power. Don't fear, boss. I'm here and God is with me. We're going to pray right now for our company. Don't fear, family member. We will pray for our, our sick loved one right now. I'm here. I'm anointed to do this. I, I've been given a task to do this. And I know God is with me. I may not look like I'm a priest, a pastor on the outside. But it doesn't matter. He's listening to my heart. And my heart is full of faith. Because I believe what he said he can do. He will do. Looking for people like David. And then here, getting towards our conclusion, is where you get the title of the message. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy. Everybody say a boy. You're just a kid. You're just a single mom. You're just an 18-year-old. You're just a junior higher. You're just an unemployed man. You're just a high school student. You're just a pastor of 200 people. You can't go. I appreciate your enthusiasm, but you can't go. He was not recognized by Saul, uh, Samuel the prophet. He was not recognized by his own father. He was not recognized by his brothers. He was not recognized by the fellow soldiers on the field. And now, lastly, by the king. He's not recognized. Thank you, David. Thank you for your encouragement. But I can't let you go. You see, David knew. Not to take no for an answer. But David said to Saul, verse 34, 
Now listen to this and put yourself in this position. Hundreds of thousands of mighty men ready to go to battle. He's probably 12 or 13 at this time. And, and he's standing in front of a king of a nation of over a million people that he represents. And he is going to convince him now that he is ready to fight. Look at the example he gives. Your servant has been taking care of his father's sheep. King Saul, mighty warrior, 100,000 people in your army. Did you know I was a shepherd? Did, did I forget to mention in my resume? But what are you going to see here? Is it didn't matter if he was a shepherd, a baker, or a candlestick maker. The point is God was with him. And that he learned to trust God. And he said to Saul, you, you don't understand. I've been keeping my father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He said, Saul, you don't know who you're looking at. I've been a shepherd, but greater than being a shepherd, I'm a man of God. Because the boy in the, the natural, it didn't matter. In the spirit, he was mature in the things of God. It didn't matter how people looked at him on the outside. He knew who he was because from that day he was anointed king. As an 11-year-old boy, he began to look at everything that God placed in his hands as his kingdom. He might have even began to name his sheep. He might have marched by himself and, and played imaginary games games he might have made a little crown and put it on his head but he began to act like who God said he was he believed that this is who he was and normally when a lion or bear would come the shepherd would defend only to the point where it was not risky to his life because no sheep is worth dying for take the weakest one and we'll gather the rest and go on down the road but no not David because he has the mindset of a king he saw that sheep as something Somebody in his kingdom, somebody that needed to be rescued. And so when he had to take on that bear or that lion, he called on the God that made him king over this kingdom of sheep to give him strength. And through that strength, he conquered. And you might be saying to yourself right now, Pastor, the only thing God has asked me to be anointed over is the two children of my house. Well, then act like a king and be the person God has called you to be. And you fight that devil off of your children and you protect that kingdom. You might say, I've only been called to work in this life group. I'm a life group assistant. I'm just in charge of these 15. Well, then you fight with everything you have. You protect those sheep that are there because God will give you the strength. I'm preaching to myself this morning. Come on, somebody. Just this flock right here, it may not be tens of thousands. But I'll fight every barren lion that comes here in Jesus' name. 
Saul said to David in the last part of verse 37, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. Hold on, was, wasn't David Saul's armor bearer? Wasn't David supposed to carry his armor and put it on him? And yet now Saul is putting the armor on David. God will turn things around, my friends. I was listening to a story about a preacher that was talking to these men that uh, began to come to his church. And as his church got bigger, some of these men were sports uh, players, football players, had, had won Super Bowls. And these are the type of people he wanted to be when he was a kid. And, and he thought, if I could be like that, I mean, I would be happy. But his father died. And he had, a uh, father got sick first before he died. And he had to take care of his father. So he couldn't go out for the football team. He couldn't go out for the basketball. He couldn't play any sports. But during that time, he developed his relationship with God, watching his father go through what he went through. And many years later, as a pastor, when these football stars began to come and call him pastor, he began to say to them, when you were playing football, when the crowds were watching you, when you were becoming a star, I was on my knees praying and getting an anointing so that when you showed up here, you could receive what football, fame, money, glory could never give you. And that's freedom in Jesus Christ. He tells, Dave, uh, he tells Saul, he says, I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. He took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and then his sling in his hand and approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his sheared bear in front of him, kept clo uh, he kept coming closer to David. Now look at verse 42. Now, you know, Goliath is not going to recognize who David is. He looked David over and saw that he was only a what? He was just a boy named David. Just a few years ago, he had just been tending sheep when his dad said, hurry up, son. Hurry up. A prophet wants to meet you. Just a few months after that, he was called into a king's service to play the harp. And now he has found himself in a position that would make any grown man nervous. And here, this Philistine begins to say, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. You blankety, blankety, blank. Who are you? Verse 44, come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Look at verse 45. David is not shook up at all. 
because David knew who he was that day. He was anointed, even though his father and, and Samuel didn't know who he was. He knew who he was that time. He was taking care of sheep, and the bear and lion thought he was just going to run away. He knew who he was when he showed up, and the brothers and the soldiers didn't know who he was. And even King Saul, this is his time to shine. For a moment like this, David said to the Philistine, verse 45, You come against me with swords spirit javelin but i come against you in the name of the lord almighty the god of the armies of israel who you have defiled this day the lord will hand you over to me and i'll strike you down and cut off your head today i will give the carcasses of the philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know there's a god in israel all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that saves for the battle is the Lord say that with me one two three for the battle is the Lord's one more time for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands David understood at that moment it didn't matter what that person thought about him, who that person Goliath thought he was. He knew who he was. And he knew that the purpose he was fighting was greater than a boy against a giant. He knew that this giant was defying the armies of God. It wasn't a battle between Goliath and David. It was a battle between Goliath and God. It's not between us and the homosexuals. It's the homosexuals and God who created them. It's not us against the violence of the streets. It's the violence of the streets against God who's called for peace my friends we're standing with the god of righteousness the battle is his it's not in our ability it's not in our strength it belongs to the lord praise god would you stand to your feet please because as we begin to read verse 48, I want you to do some Holy Ghost band aerobics. Uh, band, come please. I want you to do some Holy Ghost aerobics. Because verse 48 says, as the Philistines move closer to attack, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I want you just to start jogging in place right now. Come on. I said Holy Ghost aerobics. Come on. Come on. You see, as the battle started... You see, Philistines started walking, but David started running. He said, I know who I am. He said, I know what I've come to do. He reached his hand into his bag, running towards him. He put it in his sling. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sunk there, and he fell to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. See, some of y'all need to get that principle today. You need to know how to run to the battle. You see, come on, just run with me right now. Come on. You see, some of you are afraid of the devil. 
Some of you are afraid of what the devil has said to you. You're afraid of the sin that comes against you. And you're trying to run away. But you need to get the word of God in your heart today. And you need to run to the devil. You need to knock him out in Jesus' name. The Lord has called you. He has anointed you. And it is time to win the victory. Can you shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. Woo! So David triumphed. He stood over him in verse 51. He took hold of the Philistine's Goliath's own sword. He killed him by cutting off his head. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. My friends, it's time for some of us here today to start running to the battlefield. I want to encourage you today. To stop letting the devil... You can keep that up because I want to leave on a high note today. You need to believe today what God said to David. He says to you, he does not look at the outside. He looks at the inside. And you and I, we have a plan and a purpose that we don't even see. Our father may not even see. That sometimes the church may not even see it. Your friends may not see it. Your brother may not see it. Fellow soldiers may not see it. Even the devil himself may not see it, but God does. And he's asking you today, do you see it? Do you believe it? Do you believe who he's made you to be? I want you just right now to close your eyes and raise your hands. We're going to close out with announcements in just a minute. But I'm going to turn the band loose to play this just a fast-paced song. But I want you with your hands raised just to begin to start telling God today who he said you were and tell him, I believe it. Start confessing promises over your life. I am a man of God. Jesus, I believe it. I believe I'm a pastor of a hundred thousand. Come on, you need to make the positive confession of your faith today. Come on, mighty men and women of God, believe who God said you were. Come on, what obstacle is in your way? Speak to that obstacle and say, I will overcome. Come on, I will overcome. Jesus. You've got to believe it today. In the name of Jesus, will you bless the Lord with a hand clap of praise in this house? Come on, you may be seated. Ushers, will you come, please? Just keep playing that. We're going to do announcements, and then we'll let you come to the altar if you want to today. I believe that God's raising up an army, amen. We're here to love God and love people with you every Sunday at 9 and 11. If you're new and like more information, it's all in the back. We call that the VIP Center. We have Wednesday prayer meetings and Bible studies every Wednesday at 7, along with our children's ministry, Royal Rangers and Impact, and then Elevate. Come on, every Friday at 7.30. I want you all to come out, teenagers. And this is our vision. We are taking it around the globe. We're right now on Wicker Park on Tuesdays with our second campus and 200 Metro praises around the world. And it's all about loving God and loving people. Everybody say, love God. God. And you say, love people. Thank you. We want to do that with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. And we're going to connect you to the cross. If you haven't gotten involved in this yet, we have a discipleship book we want you to join. And in our life groups, does anybody go to life groups here? 
Amen. Life groups are home Bible studies that meet throughout the week. Would you join one and get involved in the 201 and uh, in the 101? And when you graduate, you could get in the 201. Do I have any 201 students this morning? Amen. You could be mighty men and women of God. We'll connect you to the cross through our life groups and discipleship, train you up in our Bible class, and then send you out to change the world for 100,000 souls. That's what we're going for here in Chicago with 50 churches. We only got 48 more to go. And 500 around the world, 300 more to go. If you're happy about what the Lord's doing, would you stand up and bless Him and say amen? Amen. Amen. We need to receive tithes and offerings before we go and we need your help today friends we pray that you will stand with us that God will meet every need in your life and in this church's life you can always give at the end of service or in the boxes before or after or online at metropraise.org let's pray Father I thank you for today I pray you bless every person that's gathered here in your name God, I pray that they will take this message to their family, to their friends, and know that they are called to be like a boy named David. Lord, I pray you bless us financially to be a blessing. Lord, that we'll be faithful in tithes and offerings, and that, Lord, you'll pay the bills here and the bills in our friends' and family's homes. God, to our children and our children's children, we pray for our missionaries and where they serve you around the world and our soldiers that protect our freedom, God. God bless America in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Keep our missionaries in your prayer. If you could support them with $25 a month, it will change their lives. And $50 towards our building fund will allow us to stay here every month. And we have a, a pledge card in the back if you want to do that. We're going to pray our, uh, confess our scripture here. Would you put it up? And then we're going to receive tithes and offerings. And we are going to sing a happy song. Amen. And after you give your gift, if you want me to pray with you, you want to be up here, you are more than welcome to. Amen. But you remember who God said you were today. Let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God bless you. Come forward as you give. Rejoice and we'll see you at Life Groups. Face out shine the brightest sun Jesus, you're glorious You are so glorious